It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. It comes, but once a year, each tick of the clock, the time draws near, where there'll be hope for every team in the National Football League. Kuiper and Box Bump pave the way, predicting the name Kamish would say, Drastic's watching every day. Who are the prospects where they play? Down the ranking spots and trade. From Mobile 2 indeed displays seven rounds of fun. Whether it's Mr. Irrelevant or number one. It's the countdown to the NFL Draft. Welcome to the DC Podcast, brought to you by GiraffeCountdown.com. I'm Scott Wright, and this episode I'm going to be talking about a wild first day of free agency and, and how some of the moves are going to impact and have a ripple effect on the 2016 NFL Draft. And let's start with the Philadelphia Eagles, because they made quite a few moves, and, and their purge of the Chip Kelly era kind of continues uh, and I guess the number one thing I want to talk about is the Eagles trade up into the top 10 overall. They now have the number eight overall pick in the 2016 NFL Draft. And for that, they gave up the 13th overall pick to the Miami Dolphins. Excuse me, uh, the Miami Dolphins now have the 13th overall pick. And the Dolphins also acquired Byron Maxwell uh, and Kiko Alonso. Uh, of course, Kiko Alonso was a Chip Kelly guy and Byron Maxwell was a big free agent signing from a year ago who everyone was excited about and just a horrendous first season in Philly, and they've already uh, moved moved on from him, parted ways, however you want to term it. And I think the first thing to, uh, with this move is I don't know if the Eagles did it with the intention of targeting a specific player in the top 10 overall. Uh, I think this was more of a case of we want to get out from under the Maxwell contract. We want to move on from Alonzo, get a, a fresh start. And I, I think moving up in the draft was just the best deal available. Now, initially, I guess I thought their target was going to be a quarterback, uh, even though they gave Sam Bradford a lot of money. It was only over two years. And I thought going up to number eight overall, that put them right in the range for one of those top three quarterbacks. However, then they went out later in the day and they signed Chase Daniel, who Doug, their new head coach Doug Peterson is familiar with from his time in Kansas City. They gave him three years, I think $21 million, averaging about $7 million a year, and, and they're going to give him the opportunity to compete for that starting job with Sam Bradford. Now, if I were them, I would still be looking at a quarterback. I don't know that I would feel comfortable moving forward with just Bradford and Chase Daniel. Uh, I'd rather bring in a, a top young quarterback, but... I think they're probably going to be looking in a different direction, although I wouldn't completely rule out a signal caller. I still think offensive line is the direction the the Eagles are going to be looking in round one. Uh, Jason Peters is 34 years old. He's coming off another major injury. Uh, if, if a guy like Ronnie Stanley from Notre Dame is there, they could put him at left guard as a rookie before eventually kicking him outside to replace Peters. Or Lane Johnson could kick over to left tackle eventually, and Stanley could go to right tackle. It would give them a lot of options, but I just think offensive line is probably the, the biggest concern for the Eagles at number eight overall. Now, after trading Maxwell, they need cornerback help too. They, they arguably needed cornerback help with Maxwell, but 
at number eight, they kind of have the same quandary as the Dolphins did at that spot where there, there really isn't a corner that's worth the number eight overall pick. Jalen Ramsey from Florida State is going to be long gone, and, and I like Vernon Hargraves from Florida and wouldn't be unheard of or unprecedented for a cornerback his size to go in the top ten overall, but it is somewhat rare. So I don't know if a cornerback makes sense for Philly there. I, I just think offensive line is probably the best fit when it comes to both value and need. Uh, and, and they did sign Brandon Brooks, another free agent from the Houston Texans, to shore up the, the right guard position. But I still think offensive line, there's still more work to be done there. Uh, and they also signed Rodney McLeod from the, the St. Louis Rams to continue shoring up that secondary at safety. The other big move the Eagles made was they traded DeMarco Murray, who a couple years ago was considered one of, if not the best running back in the NFL, certainly the most productive uh, but once again, just a disaster of a, a first year in Philly. And, and it was this trade was basically a salary dump. They sent him to the Tennessee Titans uh, along with their fourth-round pick. And in exchange, they get the Titans' fourth-round pick in this draft. Now, on the face, that's not the type of value you'd expect to get for DeMarco Murray. I don't think anybody would do that. But it's not just a complete giveaway. Getting that top pick in the fourth round is a valuable asset. Because uh, keep in mind, that's the first pick of day three. So teams have had a chance to go out back overnight, kind of reevaluate who's available, what do we want to do, talk trades with teams. It's going to give them a lot of options. So that's a valuable commodity to have. So uh, they, they didn't just give Murray away. They did get something out of it. Not what you'd expect, but they got something out of it. So, uh, and one other thought, too, while we're talking about DeMarco Murray, I, one thing I noticed is I still see teams overpaying running backs. Uh, and the, the Titans redid Murray's contract. But for me, personally, I would have just kept that pick. And even though they got him for kind of a song, I wouldn't have wanted to vote that type of money to him, especially coming off the season he just had. I would have rather gone out and, and got somebody in the draft. But, but beyond that, you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, gave Doug Martin a $35 million deal. A year ago at this time, they didn't even think he was good enough to pick up the fifth-year option on his rookie contract, and now they're paying him $7 million a year or somewhere in that range. It's just I don't see the wisdom of that. And, and the Buccaneers were going to have such a huge advantage with their quarterback, Jameis Winston, under his rookie, rookie contract. It's, it's unbelievable how, what an advantage that would be. They could take that extra 15 to 20 million they're saving uh, compared to what other starting quarterbacks around the league are supposed to get. And they could go out and, and uh, fill in the team around him instead of paying for running backs, which are a dime dozen. I'm not convinced Charles Sims couldn't be just as productive as Doug Martin, but uh, what are you going to do? Uh, you look at the Houston Texans, they signed Lamar Miller. I think they gave him about $25 million over four years. And there again, I, I like Lamar Miller. He's a really good player. And, and I think one of the Miami Dolphins' biggest problems over the past couple of years has been their not even inability to run the ball, their lack of desire, their lack of commitment to the run game. Because Miller has been effective when given the opportunity. The Dolphins just had no interest in running the ball, it seemed like. Uh, so I like Lamar Miller. I think he's going to be an upgrade for the Houston Texans. He's going to be another playmaker for that offense. But I don't know. I, I don't think Lamar Miller is that special that I'd want to pay him five times what I could get, uh, at, least, at minimum of five times what I could get a rookie for. Uh, while we're on the Houston Texans, let's talk about their big move at the quarterback position. They signed Brock Osweiler away from the Denver Broncos. And I've got to say, this one really shocked me. I didn't think there was any chance Osweiler was going to go. A, I didn't think the Broncos were going to let him go. Let's face it, this was the situation they drafted Brock Osweiler in the second round and groomed him the past few years for to replace Peyton Manning. This, this worked out for them just like it should have. 
he got a little experience this past season when Manning got hurt. And did he set the world on fire? No, but he did a, a very capable job. And I think he showed you enough to feel comfortable going forward with him, for at least for the, the, the short term. And I understand he got a lot of money from the, the Texans to go, but I, I, I'm surprised he wanted to leave that situation in Denver as well. Uh, I mean, the, the chance to take over the reins of the, the reigning Super Bowl champs, that's a pretty enticing option, but it, the, the the relationship must have just really soured between Osweiler and the Broncos, and and plus it's kind of a thankless task trying to replace a legend at the quarterback position. I think we've seen that uh, plenty of times over the years, uh, trying to be held up to the the standard of Peyton Manning, and even though Peyton Manning wasn't what he was early in his career towards the end, he still took the Broncos to two Super Bowls in three years or whatever it was, so uh, it, it was still a really high standard, whereas in Houston, Oswald was going to be able to make a fresh start and, and kind of pave his own way. So I like the move for the Texans. I'm shocked the Broncos let it happen. And, and now the big, maybe the, the biggest question in the NFL right now is, what are the Denver Broncos going to do at quarterback? Uh, and you've heard names, maybe trade for Colin Kaepernick, maybe try to sign Ryan Fitzpatrick away from the Jets. I've heard him linked to Robert Griffin III. Uh, who knows, maybe they'll bring John Elway down from the front office. He might currently be their best option in terms of what's on their roster right now. But in terms of the draft aspect, I think for the past couple of months, we've been hearing about how the Broncos really like Mississippi State quarterback Dak Prescott. And in fact, in my last mock draft, I had them taking him at the end of round three. And uh, I, I think that chatter all of a sudden takes on a lot more significance and becomes a lot more relevant. Now, I don't think the Broncos are going to go out and draft Dak Prescott and say, okay, he's our starting quarterback. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think it's much more likely that they're going to use a premium draft pick on a quarterback, a young quarterback, in addition to going out and signing some kind of veteran. So uh, I think the Broncos are now very much back into that quarterback market, maybe starting as, as early as number 31 in the first round. Maybe they start that run on that second tier, uh, and especially because they could get a first-round quarterback under contract for that extra year, that fifth year, uh, rather than just four. So that's something to keep in mind. Maybe they look at Connor Cook from Michigan State back end of the first round. Uh, and th There's going to be a lot of options at quarterback this year. It's not like last year where it was just Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, and then uh, Prey. This year there are actually some legitimate options beyond the first round that you could see developing into starting quarterbacks. So that's one thing the Broncos do have working on their in their favor, but I just think losing Osweiler was a huge hit for them. Uh, I, I was intrigued by what the New York Giants did, and they spent a lot of money. Uh, there's no question about that. They should have good results for the type of money they spent, but they went out and they signed a pass rusher and Olivier Vernon. Uh, they re-signed Jason Pierre-Paul, so now they have two edge pass rushers and Vernon Pierre-Paul, at least for one season here. Pierre-Paul only signed a one-year deal. Uh, they also went out and they signed Damon Harrison, the underrated nose tackle from the New York Jets, to kind of shore up the middle of that defensive line and uh, the run defense uh, to pair him with Jonathan Hankins. So all of a sudden, the Giants' defensive line went from being a question mark to all of a sudden being becoming very formidable once again. And, and for years, that was kind of the strength of the team. They always invested heavily in the defensive line, and I think they're getting back to that. And then, oh, by the way, they also gave Janoris Jenkins, the cornerback, uh, about $12, $12.5 million a year as well. So uh, they got a, a lot of bang, but they, there was also a lot of bucks spent to get that bang. But I really like what the Giants did. And uh, how does this affect their plans in the draft? I think it affects them a lot. I think they were going to be looking at defensive line maybe at number 10 overall. Now I think they're free to, to maybe 
not, I don't want to say best player available, but to kind of look around. And I think Ezekiel Elliott from Ohio State would be a perfect fit for the New York Giants if he's there. Terrific all-around runner. Uh, I think would really uh, give that offense something they've been lacking a couple of years and balance it out and, and take some of the pressure off of Eli Manning and the passing attack. So I think the odds of the Giants going somewhere other than defensive line have, have increased dramatically, and I think Elliott would be a good fit. Another team whose plans in round one might have changed is the Oakland Raiders, uh, uh, who went out and they signed Sean Smith away from the Kansas City Chiefs at cornerback to a, a four-year deal. I think it averages about $10 million a year. One of the top cover guys on the market, and the Raiders were desperate for help in the secondary, so it makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, I could still see them looking corner as early as the first round. I still think there is a need there, but it's not nearly as glaring as it was. So maybe that frees them up to look in another direction with their their top pick, at least. Uh, going down the line a little bit, let's talk about the Detroit Lions, uh, because they made a move that I found pretty interesting. They went out, and of course, Calvin Johnson, their stud future Hall of Fame wide receiver, retired uh, prematurely, some would say, uh, somewhat surprisingly. Uh, so there's a, a need at wide receiver in Detroit, uh, opposite Golden Tate, who's a very good receiver, but more of a number two. And they went out and signed Marvin Jones away from the Cincinnati Bengals. A good player. I've been a fan of his going back to college. I remember him having a terrific week at the Senior Bowl. Uh, and But there again, I'm not so sure that he's not more of a number two receiver. Uh, even though they're paying him kind of like a number one receiver. Uh, I, I think Tate and Jones, it's a good pair. But I'm going to be interested to kind of examine that situation here in the next coming weeks and try to figure out, is wide receiver still going to be an early-round priority for Detroit, or do they think they've shorted up with Jones and Tate? And, and I think that duo, I think they can get by with that duo, but I think they could use some more help as well. And ultimately, though, losing Calvin Johnson might end up being a, a bit of a blessing in disguise for the Detroit Lions. Now, you push comes to shove, you'd rather have Calvin Johnson than not have him, but I, I think when you have a player like that who's meant so much, who's been so good, I think there's a pressure to keep him involved in the offense, whereas now I think Matthew Stafford can maybe spread the ball around a little bit more and, and, and take advantage of some other opportunities rather than having to get Calvin Johnson his whatever number of touches. How about the Jacksonville Jaguars, another team that, that made quite a splash. They had a lot of money to spend, and, and spend they did, and they kind of kicked it off by going out and, and signing Malik Jackson away from the defensive lineman, Malik Jackson away from the Denver Broncos for a deal that I think $90 million was the final number. Of course, the total contract value of, of some of these deals are overrated, but you really just got to look at the guaranteed money. But no matter how you look at it, Malik Jack Jackson got paid. Uh, and, and really a, a, a good fit for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They needed to shore up that front seven. Uh, and I, another underrated move that they made later in the day is they went out and they signed Tayshawn Gibson, uh, uh, safety, away from the Cleveland Browns, a, a kind of an underrated player. Disappointing 2015, but performed much better earlier on and, and still relatively young, still only 25 years old, uh, prime of his career. Uh, and, and the secondary has been a long-standing issue in Jacksonville. So uh, I think that was a, those were two really good fits. And, and let's not forget, the Jaguars also have Dante Fowler Jr. coming back, the third overall pick in last year's draft, uh, who missed his entire rookie season with an injury. So not only do you add Malik Jackson to that front seven, you add Dante Fowler, you add Tayshawn Gibson to the back. So how does this affect their draft plans? I still think you look for the best defensive player available at number five overall if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I really do. Uh, now, Jalen Ramsey, the cornerback slash safety from Florida State, he would be the dream scenario 
but I don't think he's going to get to five. Maybe Joey Bosa, defensive lineman from Ohio State, or DeForest Buckner, defensive lineman from Oregon. I think uh, they could still be in the picture, although not as not much of a need now after bringing in Malik Jackson. But I, I think the the end at the end of the day, what the Jaguars' moves on day one of free agency did was maybe increase the likelihood that they take Miles Jack, the linebacker from UCLA, at number five. Uh, if he even lasts that long, I wouldn't be shocked if Jack went off the board a pick earlier to the Dallas Cowboys. But if he's there at five, I think he'd make a lot of sense. And uh, now that they've shored up the the front, the, the defensive line, the secondary, how about an impact linebacker? I, I think that's a, an area that it could still stand to improve. improve and and Miles Jack would give them a lot of options. And uh, I just think he might be the best fit. But I still say best defensive player available for the Jaguars at number five. The Kansas City Chiefs, uh, one big move they made, they went out and they signed Mitchell Schwartz, the offensive tackle away from the Cleveland Browns. And uh, good move. And Mitchell Schwartz is kind of an underrated player. Now, is he going to be a perennial pro bowler? No, but he's rock solid. He doesn't miss any time. Uh, he gets, he got the job. One of the few guys who was able to get the job done against Von Miller last year, and now he's going to have to face him twice in his division. Uh, it, it, it's, he's just a plug-and-play good Good uh, pickup for the Chiefs. They're not going to have to worry about that right tackle position now for the next five years. And, and, and with Fisher showing improvements, I think they've shored up the, uh, the outside of that offensive line. I still think they could be in the market for an offensive guard, especially after losing Jeff Allen in free agency. I believe they parted ways with Ben Grubbs as well. So uh, they still need to bring in some help at offensive guard, and, and that could be a possibility maybe even as early as round one. But I think offensive tackle is now clearly out of the picture for the Chiefs. Uh, let's talk about the, the, the Chicago Bears, another team where I think a, a couple of moves they made in free agency is going to fix, affect their draft plans, specifically signing Danny Trevathan away from the Denver Broncos. Uh, actually took a little less money to go to Chicago uh, and reunite with John Fox. And uh, I, I think that, that goes a long way towards solving their issues that they had at the linebacker position. I'm not sure that's going to be a priority at number 11 overall. But the other move the Bears made is they went out and they signed Bobby Massey, the right tackle away from the Arizona Cardinals. Another case, not flashy, but a really good player. Has a lot of high-quality experience. You know what you're getting from Bobby Massey. And, and you plug him in at right tackle, you can maybe kick Kyle Long back inside to guard and, and kind of kill two birds with one stone and, and upgrade both positions. But I still think they could use some more offensive tackle help. I still think they could use a left tackle to replace Jermon Bushrod. Uh, so I, I still think Ronnie Stanley, Taylor Decker, Jack Conklin could all be in the conversation for the Bears at number 11, even though they did go out and sign Massey. Might as well stay in that, that division and talk about the Minnesota Vikings quickly. And uh, not not a lot of moves, but I think they were efficient in terms of uh, addressing needs on the first day. They signed uh, Alex Boone, the offensive guard, away from uh, the San Francisco 49ers to shore up that, that interior of the offensive line that was such a problem. Teddy Bridgewater dealt with a lot of pressure this past season, so uh, I think that was a nice move. And they're still looking at more offensive line help. You've heard them connected to maybe Jermon Bushrod, maybe Andre Smith. Uh, I think there's one other that's, that's uh, jumping my mind right now, but uh, the Vikings are still going to continue to shore up that offensive line. And then they also went out and signed Michael Griffin, who was a cap casualty of the, the Tennessee Titans to play safety uh, alongside Harrison Smith. And and 31 years old, uh, a former first-round pick, a stopgap solution at this point in his career. But uh, the Minnesota Vikings, I think they're at that point now where they're just trying to plug holes. And I still think they're going to want to look for a young 
safety at some point to groom, but I don't know that it's going to be the, the first or even second round priority anymore. Uh, and but but the end of the ultimately, I guess my takeaway from what the Minnesota Vikings did on the first day is the one big need that's still out there for them is wide receiver, and and they need for if, what I think they need is a big physical wideout with the body control and ball skills that'll go up and and win those 50-50 passes. Because let's face it, Teddy Bridgewater, he doesn't throw the best deep ball in the world, and he probably never will. You need a wide receiver who can go out and help him, and and when it's close you're going to win more often than not. So I think that's the type of wideout they're looking for. And, and I think it, based on what they did in free agency, I think it's a lot more likely that they go out and look for that early in the draft. Uh, so, so keep an eye on, on the Minnesota Vikings and, and a wide receiver. Also, I think they could still be looking for a linebacker to replace Chad Greenway, whether it be this year or next year. It's going to happen sooner rather than later. And I think that's a position where the Vikings could find some value in the first round, whether it's Leonard Floyd, Darren Lee, et cetera. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams uh, suffered some losses, uh, I think would be fair to say, uh, especially in the secondary. Now, they put the franchise tag on Tremaine Johnson to make sure he stuck around, but they lost Janoris Jenkins. They lost Rodney McLeod. So uh, now you wonder, is the offensive back going to be a priority maybe as early as round one for the Rams? And, and that's kind of the area where they're picking at number 15 overall. That's where kind of I think the run on the defensive backs is going to start. They, they could conceivably have their choice of any defensive back in this draft at this point, but uh, other than Jalen Ramsey. So uh, I think it's much more likely that the Rams are going to consider a defensive back. Although, keep in mind, they got Janoris Jenkins in round two. They got Tremaine Johnson in round three. It's not an area that they've, they've necessarily felt the need to invest a first-round pick in lately, but, but maybe that philosophy will change a little bit. So uh, file that away as a possibility uh, for the Rams, but I still think if, if somehow, some way, Paxton Lynch, the quarterback from Memphis, falls to the Rams, that is going to be an absurd steal. You should not be able to get a talent like that in the middle of the first round, and, and if that happens, the Rams should be counting their blessings because that would be a perfect match for both player and team. And the last team I guess I want to talk about is the Cleveland Browns. The, the poor Cleveland Browns. It was a rough day for the Browns fans. Uh, as per usual, uh, the factory of sadness just keeps pumping out uh, more sadness, unfortunately, for them. But I- I'm going to try to put a bright spin on what their day. Now, uh, for those who, are, who didn't hear, they lost their, their longtime center, Alex Mack. They lost their starting right tackle, Mitchell Schwartz. They lost their best receiver in Travis Benjamin, and they lost their starting safety in Tayshawn Gibson. And what, what makes it hurt a little bit more is they, the Browns had talked about how uh, priority was going to be resigning their own players. Well, they lost them all, basically. But with that said, I don't think it's a catastrophic hit for them. Losing Alex Mack, it hurts, sure. But they used their first-round pick last year on Cameron Irving. So they have a talented young player ready to step in and replace him at center. Travis Benjamin, yeah, he had a nice season, but you can replace Travis Benjamin, let's face it. Uh, his role on Cleveland was bigger than it would have been for most teams. Good player, don't get me wrong, but you can replace him. And, and even Tayshawn Gibson. I think Mitchell Schwartz is the guy that hurts, especially if they're going to draft a young quarterback to bring in. I think it's so important to protect him. So I think replacing Mitchell Schwartz is going to be a, a, a priority now and probably enters their top three needs. But I don't know that losing Mac, Benjamin, or Gibson is the end of the world for the Browns, and, and probably not totally unexpected. You look at the new Browns brain trust, their whole philosophy coming over from baseball was basically 
uh, taking advantage of market inefficiencies. And signing guys to big contracts on the first day of free agency is not the uh, efficient way to manage your salary cap. You usually end up overpaying. So uh, I would just tell Cleveland Browns fans, give them a chance. Let's see how the rest of free agency plays out. I think they're going to be bargain hunting. And uh, I know it wasn't what Browns fans were probably hoping for to, to start off this yet another new era, but I don't think it's, they should be, it should be quite the level of doom and gloom that it has been in Cleveland. So, so those are just some of my initial thoughts of the first day of free agency. Of course, a lot more is still going to happen in the coming days and weeks. And as soon as it settles down a little bit, I'm going to go through and revamp my mock draft. I put up a mock draft version 1.5 on the site right now uh, with just the names and the teams. And it's already kind of uh, been blown up by what's happened and the moves that teams have made. But uh, as soon as things settle down, I'm going to come through and, and have a massive update and, and write a lot of new analysis. So uh, with that, I'm going to call the show. I hope everybody uh, enjoyed uh, listening, and I want to thank everyone so much, as always, for tuning in and remind you to please be sure to subscribe to the Draft Countdown podcast to make sure you get the latest episodes as soon as they do become available. So with that, I'm going to call the show, and as always, there are... 49 days, 3 hours, 5 minutes, and 20 seconds left until the 2016 NFL Draft. Tick tock. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.